You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry at Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland, and I'm the senior pastor of Believer's Baptist Church, and I want to thank you for listening. Whoever you may be and wherever you may be, may the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. And again, on this podcast, joining me will be another one of our elders, Philip Castleton. And Philip, we are recording this podcast. It will come out on the week of May the 13th. And recently, you received a text. I believe it was a text from a young man that you had an acquaintance with. His name was Josh, I believe. Yeah. And Josh um, made comment to you about him listening to the podcast. Tell a little bit about that. What? Well, you know, it's interesting because I met Josh on a hunting trip. A friend of mine brought him. He does jiu-jitsu. Josh does jiu-jitsu. And my friend is uh, a black belt jiu-jitsu and has his own gym. And um, and so he brings Josh along. I think Josh is, he may, he listens to these, so he, he I may be wrong. I think he's 23. But... Um, Real nice, personable young man, um, articulate, bright. Um, but we went hunting, and Josh and I spent the whole night in the truck talking about the Bible, right? And he right. was asking questions, and we spent a lot of time talking. And really, were y'all hog dogging? Uh, no, we were. We, we were not hunting. We had thermal scope. We were out hog hunting, but okay. not with dogs. Okay. But um, well, like I said, we spent the whole time in the truck talking. We really mm-hmm. did very little hunting, mm-hmm. and um, it was a really good visit. Anyway. Um, uh, He's been listening to the podcast and some of the sermons and stuff like that. And um, his job right now currently has him um, unable to attend regularly to church. He's hoping to get that adjusted. But he's been sending me texts and um, and asking questions. And um, and so it's been good. It's right. been good conversation. I'm hoping is... to get him involved um, here real soon here at the church. Yes, yeah. yes. And that's always our prayer that someone like that is... Is helped, and we primarily started the podcast with the idea of helping our congregation and 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 not being able to address questions um, in the regular gathered context of worship and and Sunday school and all the other formats. Uh, not all the questions, and so we sure. thought this would be a helpful tool. And uh, through the years. Um, by God's grace, um, others have plugged into it and listened to it, and and uh, that's encouraging to us. And yeah. our prayers. Well, is these that... are these are good for us as well because sometimes it forces us to dig in and and go. Okay, um, it's easy to brush over some of this stuff, and then you get to a text um, like the one we're going to address this morning, where you get a verse that's it's so different, you right. know, in the way it sounds, and you go. Um, it forces you to dig into the text and and really try to. To, to get a hold of what's being said. So it's good for us as well. Absolutely. And um, I have learned very much in trying to um, address these questions that we've had. And this will be our 81st question that we're um, going to address. This is our 81st uh, recording. And so the question for this podcast, what does it mean that the violent take the kingdom of God by force? What does it mean that the violent take the kingdom of God by force? Now, that's a reference from a verse out of Matthew chapter 12. 11. 11, I'm sorry, verse 12. Right. And it says here, I'm just going to read the verse, and then we'll have to go back and give context. From the days of John the Baptist until now, these are the words of Jesus. Right. Until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent Take it by force. So what does it mean that the violent take the kingdom of God by 
force. So, Philip, why don't you give us some context and think about this? But before you do that, let me interrupt that because I think it's important to recognize, as you have read and I have read, what we've discovered is there are a lot of interpretations of this text. There are. And um, I think that you came to your conclusion um, earlier than I did as um, I was spending time thinking through it. And I, I actually, I think there's two ways to interpret this that would be true. Right. I think there's one way that is better. In context. In for, context. Yeah, for me, I'm the same way. Yes. Yeah. And um, I think that I, I did not come to that actually until early this morning. Yeah. This is April the 27th that we're recording. And in thinking about it and um, listening to um, someone else preach on this text and um, reading about it last night, um, I was actually leaning um, to the idea of the of, a, of the interpretation being that that violent men, because of their persecution of John the Baptist, which is in context, right. because of the persecution of the Old Testament prophets, right. because of what they were going to do in Jesus, violent men trying to bring in the kingdom of God um, other than through the peace and the humility of Jesus. Yeah, and that's certainly a true statement. Yes. Like I said, that is no doubt um, a, a right way of understanding this. But like I said, uh, I think context gives us a, a different um, ultimate interpretation, right. sure. Okay, so why don't you address that? Let's, well, let's first of all, um, you say, you know, I came to it earlier. The only reason, it, I mean, I, was just, I read the text over and over and over, and I kept injecting um, these two possibilities in it, right? Trying to say what's being said here, what's being articulated. And uh, let me interrupt you. It, yeah. It's because the, the language of violent and taking by force. Right. <clears throat> Tend to lean into negative, not positive. No, that's true. But then, um, then there's a couple of there's a cross reference in Luke, which we'll get to in a minute. Yes, there is. If we go back into um, Matthew eight, three chapters earlier, we see a, a picture um, of these unsure, unclear um, potential disciples, but they never really will commit. Right? Mm-hmm. These people who are vacillating. Right, and then you go a little further on in Matthew, in Matthew thirteen, and we see the the determined um, course that one takes when they recognize the kingdom for what it is. Right, the pearl of great price, and the one who sells all to buy a piece of land. Right, that kind of thing. Yes. So we we see that um, in between here, we've, we're explaining. Um, well, he's talking about John the Baptist in the context of it all, but he's talking about really the the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the Jews in general. Their response to John the Baptist is really what he's getting at, right? Mm-hmm. So what is he doing? And I'll tell you that the verse that, that, that solidified it for me, whether I could get it right or not, is the last one of, of this paragraph in verse 19, the end of it says, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. And I think when he gets done, hopefully when I get done explaining the text, that'll make sense that what I think he's saying is that um, uh, wisdom, you know, because he tells him if you have ears to hear what I'm saying, he- hear it. It's mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. I think wisdom is is proven true 
by what it produces. Right. Right. And that is uh, kingdom followers. Anyway, so here's the way I understand this. Why don't you read the, the text, Philip? I um, will. Because I didn't read, I just read the verse, verse 12. You read the text and then... And well, then... I'll give a little context and then read the text. So okay. in the beginning of chapter 11, um, we have John the Baptist, he's in prison, and he, and he sends some of his men, his disciples, if you will, to ask Jesus, are you the one or do we seek for another? And Jesus says, I'm the one who's fulfilled scripture, you know, the blind see, the deaf here. And he goes on and says, go back and tell John that, right? And then it says, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. And this is in verse seven. And this is where, um, let's walk through this. Verse seven, as they went away, this is uh, the disciples of John the Baptist. They're going back to John. Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John the Baptist. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? Now here's this man who's been preaching. He's dynamic. He's, he's, um, charismatic. He's all these things. He's drawn huge crowds, huge crowds for probably anywhere in the neighborhood of a year or two um, before Jesus actually comes on the scene. These people know who he is. They even, some people are even going to think he's the Messiah. They're chasing John around. And he says, what did you go out to see? What did you go out to see? A reed shaken by the wind? I mean, why would you have traveled way out in the wilderness into the desert to hear a preacher that you thought was a vacillator? I mean, did you really think that he was unsure? I think that there's a sense in which, um, because the, John is still um, asking questions like, are, are you the one, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's in prison. I mean, he's, he's been faced with some pretty heavy things, and he asked these questions, and since the disciples to ask, there's probably these people who are witnessing John the Baptist's um, disciples coming, mm-hmm. hearing these questions, and are going, see... John's not as sure as we thought he was. Mm-hmm. You know, he sounded all sure when he was a preacher. Now he's in prison. He's not so confident. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, what did you think you were going out to see? Mm-hmm. A vacillator? A, a, a reed shaken by the wind? Is that what you thought? He says, well, if that's not the case, what then did you go see? A man dressed in soft clothing? You know, um, a sellout, a, uh, a, a soft person who, who uh, I mean, this is a person who the Bible says plainly was dressed in camel hair and with a leather belt and ate locusts and wild honey, right? I mean, right. he's anything but a soft man. And that's what I, I honestly, I believe distinguished John, the humility, because something he's going to say in just a moment. Self-denial. There's the self-denial, the humility, um, the, the camel's hair clothing, the, the, the diet that he ate, uh, the exclusion. Exclusive life that he lived, or um, um, a separate, um, but coming back into um, the um, regular activity of life and and preaching boldly, uncompromising, right. calling sin what it was. I, I think um, that's the the contrast in what Jesus is saying here. Did you just go out to see something as common as a, a reed shaking in the wind? Yeah. Did you go out and see someone who um, had? Put themselves forward and and become um, um, eloquent and uh, um, very verbose in their dress and in their life. Yeah. No, you you went out to see someone who is preaching uh, the the kingdom of God. Yeah, this is a unique guy, yes. and you knew it. That's why you went out. Yes, you 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 can say what you want to yes. about his questions at the moment, but you know what he stood for. Yes, that's why you went out there. You didn't go out there because he was common, because he was weak, because he was soft. No, you went out there because there was something distinct about him. And God's and Jesus is going to say, and you were right. There is something distinct about him. Yes. Okay. So he goes on. 
right? Um, what then did you have to see? A prophet? Yes. This is verse nine. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he whom is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. So here, is it a prophet? Yes. And even more than a prophet, he's someone scripture foretold. Yes. Right? He's so, fulfilling it. He is fulfilling scripture. He is the one who precedes the Messiah. This is what Jesus is saying. Yes. He's not just a prophet. He's the the prophet, not the one that Deuteronomy speaks of, which I fulfill, mm-hmm. right, in Jesus, mm-hmm. right? No, but he's the one who precedes the Messiah. He's the one that prophecy foretold. He's on the scene, which should tell you something, because if that one's here, guess who else is here? Right. The Messiah. Messiah himself. Yeah. Go to um, Luke chapter, if you're listening, you can go to Luke chapter one and two to get some really good context on what Philip is just articulating there about John. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we get this. He says this in verse 10. He's the one that the scripture is written about, right? Who is The scripture has foretold. And then he says this, verse 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist yet. The one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, the point is, is um, here, why is John so great? Lots of reasons John is great. But the reason particularly in this text John is great is because of all the prophets, he's the only one who's seen Messiah face to face. And even John doesn't know the fullness and the, and, and, and of the uh, substitutionary work of Christ like you all those in the kingdom will know it, mm-hmm. right? So that's what really is being articulated in, in verse 11 there. Verse 12, here's where our text picks up, right? Um, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Verse 13, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Okay, so I, I read both of those together to make this point. He said... Um, you know, he said, here's the one, here's the one who's come in, in, in verse 11, or 10 and 11. He's the one that the scripture has foretold. Um, he's a great man. He's greater than all the ones who's come before. He's on the scene. You should know that since he's on the scene, Messiah's on the scene. And yet, which would mean that the kingdom is here. If he's here, the Messiah is here. If Messiah is here, the kingdom is here. Mm-hmm. He says, and from the days of John the Baptist till now, he's been stirring up a lot. He has been preaching the kingdom. He has been preaching repentance, right? Um, and he has been baptizing Jews and Gentiles, which has really stirred these people up because Jews didn't need to be cleansed, right? And he's saying, no, absolutely. In fact, when the scribes and Pharisees show up at one point, John the Baptist says, who, t- who warned you to flee the wrath that's to come, you pit of vipers, right. right? I mean, this is who he is. He is not scared of these people and to call them in their sin to repentance. Yes. He gets here and he says, um, now the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. The violent take it by force. And here's why. Because the prophets and the law prophesied until now. So everything that has come before, all the prophets all pointed to one thing, John, and what John was meant to bring in Mm -hmm. to the Messiah. They all pointed to the Messiah. And John is here as the final revelation saying the Messiah is here. In fact, in, in John chapter 3, or John, John, John chapter 1, he's going to say, behold, the Lamb of God, who, who, he's here. He's right in front of me. He's going to say, I knew it was him because the Spirit fell and, and descended. And God spoke in Revelation to me specifically and said, the one whom the Spirit falls on and rests on, that this is he. Mm-hmm. So he has seen him face to face. He's articulating, this is the one, 
right? Right. And he's saying, this is what all the law and the prophets have pointed to until John. If you're willing to accept it, Elijah who has come, he who has the ears, let him hear. He's saying, the kingdom's here. So now what does our text mean? Our, our, our verse 12. From, from the time of John until now, right? As you said earlier, it could mean that all these people who are opposed to John in his message, all these people who are opposed to Jesus, all these people who will ultimately kill Jesus, that they are violently um, coming against the kingdom of God. And yeah. that is true. Right. But I think if we, if we read it in context, what's being said is that the kingdom of God um, marches onward. It is not going to be deterred. It's going to go ahead, and if we understand anything about those who will actually take hold of the kingdom, it's that they—it's not—it's not something that comes easily. Right. And and I and I say that because there's a parallel text in, in Luke 16, which I think gives us clarity here. Right. Right. So let's go back and let me let me see if I can summarize what what we're what you have said, uh, Phil, before we move to that piece because okay. I think that. Uh, fleshes out the interpretation that we're coming to. So what we're saying is that that the Greek form of the verb that is given in here um, and what is said can be a passive or a middle voice. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So in the passive, it carries the idea of being oppressed. That is the kingdom of God being treated violently, yeah. which would indicate that violence is brought to the kingdom. Yeah. And so that the prophets of the Old Testament were persecuted. John's getting to, John's persecuted. He's in prison in the context of the um, verse that we're looking at. And, of course, Jesus is going to be persecuted as well. And so uh, the kingdom then is going to be um, violently denied. It's going to be violently rejected. And there's truth to that. Yes. There is truth to that. And so then the middle voice of the verb carries the idea of applying force or entering into forcibly. Yeah, well, like the kingdom itself is the one doing the violence. One is the, the violence would be acted upon the kingdom. The other voice acts as if the kingdom itself is what's perpetuating or or, or the violence, okay. right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. The, the, the reflexive voice, the middle voice you're talking about. Yes. Yes. So, so one idea is that something is happening to the kingdom. The other one is the kingdom's doing the, yeah. the work. So the kingdom of heaven is vigorously pressing itself forward. Yes. It's not going to be deterred. In right. fact, we even see this like um, when he talks about the kingdom is like a, a mustard seed, right? Mm -hmm. And it's planted. And what happens? I mean, it grows and it grows and it grows. And pretty soon all the birds are being able to nest in this tree, right? We have this pictures of the kingdom growing like that. Right. Um, so it's that kind of idea. It's pressing forward. Nothing's going to deter it. God himself builds his church and the kingdom of, of Hades, right? I mean, uh, the uh -huh. gates of Hades cannot prevail against it. This right. is the idea. It's marching forward. Yes. And so that people that are listening to John the Baptist preach and people that are hearing Jesus preach and seeing, even as he said, uh, the lepers cleanse, the lame to walk, bl the blind are receiving their sight, the deaf are hearing. And even as people are responding to John and to Jesus, they are forcefully Pressing into the kingdom. Well, yeah, and keep in mind that the kingdom idea here is um, the kingdom is in is is in view when the king is in, in view, and 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 his whole message has been repent. The kingdom of God is what. At hand. At hand. It's, it's here. here. That's the whole point. Right. His argument from the beginning, his what he's been preaching is Messiah's here. In fact, he even says at the beginning of, in, during his ministry, there's one among you whom you don't even know. 
I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. Right. Right. You don't even recognize him, but the king is here. Right. You don't know him, but the Messiah is here. One stands among you whom you don't recognize, but the Messiah is here. And that's why he says, from the time of John until now, the kingdom has been in place and has been going and moving forward. Right. That's the argument he's making. Yes. And so the, the word picture is uh, of an army um, uh, attacking a city with with uh, violence. And, and uh, I think what brings confusion to the understanding of the verse is the word violence and taking by force. Because right. immediately, those are, are negative. Uh, yeah, they seem, to, seem be, to be. But then when you go back to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, it says um, the, the gate is narrow and the way is what? Hard. Right. And it, um, we have a parallel verse in Luke 13 where it says strive to enter. Yes. Strive to enter the narrow gate. That's right. So let's, before you go any further with that, let's be clear because I think there can be confusion. Because the question then, well, if we're talking about people forcibly pressing into the kingdom, how do they do that? Isn't salvation by grace through faith alone? It is, but the person who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom. Right. The person who loves a mother or father more than me is not worthy of the kingdom. That's this right. is exactly what he's been teaching, right? Right. There is real cost to salvation, even yes. temporal cost. Grace that affords you, that gives you salvation, that gives you new life and new heart and new and light and life and all these things that are promised. The very grace that does that often takes things that you dearly loved in this life away. Right. Salvation cost. It's costly. Right. Temporally costly, but it's costly. Yes, because even Jesus spoke about the fact that... Um, you know, the disciples came to him and said, well, we've given up mother and father and lands and um, these things of life. And, and Jesus says, well, um, that that is what happens. Yeah, foxes have holes, birds have nests, the, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I mean, here's the thing. It, you're not promised temporally. I heard a preacher the other day, um, it, was, it was a bad sermon, but he tried to make uh, Romans 8.28 a promise of, of temporal uh, blessing, but that's not. It's a promise of kingdom blessing and glorification. Is really what Romans eight twenty eight is, and and this is what he's saying. It it doesn't promise that these temporal things uh, aren't. In fact, the the promise is that if you're going to be my disciple, it will cost you. Right here. So we are justified by grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. We are justified before God. Uh, without any merit and without any work or self-righteousness or self-effort of ourselves. That is true. Uh But then the the teaching of Scripture, and this is why we come to the interpretation that we did, is because the teaching of Scripture is that there is this pressing on. There's this pressing into sanctification. Um, Work out your salvation. Well, Um, this is what it means in Matthew 13, I was referencing a minute ago, when he says, the person who recognizes what the kingdom is, who, who is provided for them the kingdom and how valuable it is, gives up everything so that he can obtain the kingdom, right. right? So you have the parable of the pearl. Yes, and the field. And, yeah. you know, that's what we have there in, in Luke, um, or Matthew 13, I think it's verses 40 through, 44 through 46 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we have those two real short parables. Yes. That's exactly what the point is, though. This is what it's like. Yeah. If, you want to be a, if you want to be a kingdom citizen, you need to recognize it's going to cost you in this life. Right. So here, here are the writer of Hebrews in, in understanding this. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The point that the writer is making here is run the race with endurance, laying aside every weight and every sin that would hinder your running faithfully. And so that, that's the idea of pressing into the kingdom of Paul in Philippians uh, chapter 3. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is it. He's pressing on, striving for, hard way. Pressing into it, right? right. Um, Luke 16, 16, here's a real parallel verse because we have the same statement about John. Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were until John. Remember, we just had that in our statement, in our text. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached. That's what I was saying a minute ago. Since John has been, he's been saying the kingdom is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Enter, right? Repent, mm-hmm. believe, you know? Um, and everyone forces his way into it. Right. If you're in the kingdom, even though it's by grace, it's God's mercy alone. Regeneration is a work of the Spirit, which which brings us into this kingdom. Man cannot see the kingdom or enter the kingdom, John 3, unless he is born again. But he, he, it, it, it doesn't come easily. The way that one is put on is a hard way. Right. The one, the, the gate is, is, is a difficult gate, right? It's a narrow gate. One right. has to press his way, squeeze his way. I've heard a preacher say one time, um, it's like a turnstile, and you can't take any of your baggage through it with you. Right. Right. All the baggage is left behind because there's only enough room for you. Right. And nothing else. Right. Uh, personal experience tells us this very fact. Yes. Personal experience tells us that it is hard to deny the flesh. It is hard to go against the culture. Yeah. It is, it's hard. It's a fight. It's a struggle to stay uh, firm against temptation. It, it is always going to be that it way. It is. And, and, and the rest of the text makes that clear because he actually rebukes these people for being exactly what they were, in essence, accusing John of being. If you keep looking in the text here, what shall I compare this generation, Jesus says, it's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, you didn't mourn. John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him. He's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Here's the point. They're, you know, Remember a minute ago, did you think that he was a vacillator? Did you think he was soft? Did you think he was ordinary? He says, no, you're the one. You actually... Mark all of those boxes yourself. You didn't accept John, even though you'll say he's a prophet, you don't really accept him because he's too hard. Okay, I need someone softer. Jesus comes doing just just the opposite. You don't accept him either. Which is it? 
Which do you want? Mm-hmm. Neither one of them, you hypocrite. Mm-hmm. You're no different than them, mm-hmm. right? right. You, you are exactly what that is. You are unwilling to press in to give up. You're unwilling to recognize the kingdom for what it is and give up all of those things. And that's why this last verse made so much sense to me. Yet, wisdom is justified or is proven by her deeds or by her children, by her offspring. What wisdom is seen in what it produces. Right. The kingdom citizen, the one who presses in, it, wisdom is proved by what the outcome is. Right, right. And the, the redemption of God is proved. The wisdom of God's redemption is proved by the fact that people press into it, yes. by the work of the Spirit. Yes. Yeah. I think that's exactly the point through all right, of it all. Right. So what we're saying then, um, to go back to um, the me- uh, a reference that you made in Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. And then you reference the pearl of great value. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So when a person, by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, sees the kingdom and sees the beauty of God and the forgiveness of sins and peace and reconciliation with God, then that person does everything necessary to press into that kingdom. This is exactly what Paul was saying. You quoted a minute ago. I see it. I haven't obtained it, but I'm pressing forward. Yes. I'm pressing forward. I'm running the race. I'm not turning to the right, to the left. I don't want to go anywhere but forward because that's where the prize is at. Right. And so um, to, to, for, our under, for answering the question then, um, what does it mean that the violent take the kingdom of God by force? Uh, we're talking about um, the one interpretation being that the kingdom is persecuted, and yeah. it will always be that way. The church has always been persecuted, and it will continue to be persecuted. The other thing that we're saying is that um, those who... Um, press into the kingdom, continue to do that, and ultimately uh, they are saved. And and wisdom is proved true, right, by what it produces. That's exactly it. Yeah, uh, Philippians chapter one verse six. I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And that is what happens as we continue uh, to persevere and we work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Yes. He works it in, we work it out. Yeah. yeah, That's it. Yeah. Well, again, I hope and pray as Philip hopes and prays that this podcast has been helpful to you in understanding this difficult text in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And uh, our prayer is that um, we'll all continue to press in as we see the beauty of the kingdom before us. Amen. Amen.